This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello, it's the Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and James Howard and DR Kernaz of Back of the Nest. And gents, we did our best. Aaron Wambasaka, AWB, average wing back. We've been keeping him quiet all season, and somehow United have found out about him. How did that happen? Another week, another way to start the show. Um, Wambasaka, yes. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's just. I don't know. He might be better than average. Just slightly. Yeah, just slightly. Just I think. slightly. Yeah. Might have a bit of potential. Yeah. This kid. Yeah, <laughs> they're saying fifty million. So I guess so. We're all thinking that Zaha was going to go, and look what happens. Uh, I feel, I feel like could both yeah. go. <laughs> I mean, oh, no, don't say that. Yeah, <laughs> the worst thing that could happen to someone, both of them going. But I feel like, like every week my opinion changes because of the rumours that are um, coming apart. So last week it was 35 million plus 15 million add-ons, something like that. And now this week it seems like it's still not agreed yet, but it's edging closer. And from what's happened with uh, wan being dropped from the... England under 21 squad uh, basically being on after that horrendous performance and how it's going about I feel like it is going to happen well was there a part of you watching him be awful against the French under 21s and then score a 95th minute own goal to lose the game thinking go on my son because if he plays <laughs> yeah. the first four games of next season like that no one's going to be interested oh that's true um and I did have a, a thought that, that crossed my mind for about two seconds. But then I thought, well, hold on a second, but this is a player that's played consistently well all season. And that's one one mistake. People are fickle, though. They are. They are. But, you know, to be quite honest with you, I looked at it and I took a positive out of it and thought, do you know what? That might put Man United off and he might yeah. come back actually stay with us. Well, unfortunately, no. Um, they're, still, they're still pursuing him. That's what it seems like. And... You could see he's still a young player and the way he played and I don't think it's a coincidence that he had a shocker like that and then as a result was dropped. I don't know if it was right if it was dropped, but um, he's just... He, the rumours are clearly, I think, getting to him. Um, Man United is a big club and this could be a massive step for him and I feel like that's just affected his performance. Do you think he's the kind of lad who could have his head turned? I don't think so. Um but it's just hard to tell because he's not the he's not a type of player who's very vocal on social media and off the pitch. So it's very hard to tell. Uh, he seems like a quiet person who just cares about his football. And there was reports, I believe, that saying that he he doesn't mind staying at Palace. So if he doesn't mind, um, doesn't saying, mind doesn't sound massively positive. Though. Yeah, it does. I don't yeah. mind if I burn my finger on the. Yeah, oven. I feel like he's not. Put, it's not pushing a uh, deal. You know, it's not pushing the deal to go through. He's whatever happens, happens. Of course, if I was in his position, I'll be happy as well. In a way, if I'm going to play for one of the biggest clubs, you know, in 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 the world. So I feel like he's he, he's a he's a very 
calm person. It, yeah, I mean, I, I would suggest that he's being very, very diplomatic about it, and um, he's quite young, and he's he's he doesn't uh, react in any bad way on the pitch or off the pitch, and I think he's quietly doing his business. Um, and he's thinking, you know, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go uh, in, in the right manner. Yeah. Um, and if he does go, you know, all the best to him. But I know Palace are playing hardball on this uh, and they're not going to accept anything less than probably about 50, 55 million cash up front. But this is really encouraging, right? And Gary Neville came out and said this a few weeks ago, where basically the era of the Premier League big boys being able to bully mid-table clubs in the transfer market seems to be over. They can still sign the players, Maguire to City, but Maguire's going to cost 80 mil. Mm-hmm. Wan-Bissaka's going to cost 55 mil. Finally, they're having to pay the value of the player. Yeah, there's no reason for us to sell Wan-Bissaka. Of course, in financial perspective, it would be nice if you do get the 50 million. But even if we sell Wan-Bissaka, if you're looking at the wage and how much players earn he's not he's not one of the highest earners in a club so it won't impact that and that's what's been our main struggle but yeah we there's no reason for us to sell one second i like what the club are doing and just asking for united to actually pay the 50 million other than say 35 million plus 50 million if they win the champions league which right now it does not seem like a possibility well let's talk about this clause because i read it and i thought it was frankly disrespectful what was your response yeah I, i i mean i'm you know at the end of the day, it, it's it's not going to happen. I mean, Man United are, are not in uh, in the Champions League anyway, so uh, it's going to be a struggle for an English team as it has been over many years. Thirty mil if United win La Liga. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. <laughs> so I won't be surprised if they if they put that in. I'm I'm more than happy. He's got three years left on his contract, and you know we just need to to think about this very carefully and say look you know what do we value him now and i get the point that he's a fullback i get the point that he's only had one season in the premiership so yeah so he won't go for you know the likes of 80 million 90 million and i appreciate that but you know if we are going to let him go we're certainly not going to let him go for less than what i would have said 60 million but if they let him go for 55 you know what's 5 million between you and me johnny eh? <laughs> Between friends, exactly. I've got that behind the sofa. <laughs> exactly, but in a way, we're lucky that Wan Bissaka is is that quite kind of person. I'm not pushing it as if if it was someone else. And right now, United may have actually got Wan Bissaka because he could have pushed the deal through. So I feel like even if Wan Bissaka doesn't get sold, he just returns to who he was uh, and continues to play his football, and that's a huge bonus for us. Well, that, uh, that yeah, but there is the the flip side of the coin is that he, he he's only had one season, so there is the risk that he apps that he has a you know poor season or gets injured or has a sustained amount of time out of the team. Who knows? He's still very young, still learning his trade. There's still some questions out there. A lot of people are saying, "What is he like going forward? Does he get enough crosses in?" I don't think he does. I think he's exceptionally talented at defending. Probably the best fullback in the country. But going forward and getting crosses in, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I was like that as well earlier on in the season. But I feel like as the season went on, he had, he improved. That he's improving. T- yeah, definitely. he's improving. Yeah, and absolutely. if we, let's say we do keep him, I've said this last week, we could potentially send him on for even more than 50 million, which is a rumoured valuation from us. So there's no real... I don't want to say no real loss. Let's say if United don't pay fifty million, then next season they could his value would increase. Okay, but if you don't sell him and then he breaks his leg in four places, exactly. Well, there's always that as well. But so I that's why it, that's why you have to you, you can't take thirty five million. Yeah, that's just insulting and, and assume that a Man United are going to win the Champions League because that ain't going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Man United fans, if you're listening, but that's not going to happen in the, in the near future. But but yeah, you might take fifty five million. But in a season's time, if he has another really good season and he has a regular spot in the England team, then he could well be worth yeah. 70, 80 million. And then we're sitting on a, an increased profit. So it's a win-win. What <laughs> about if you sell him for 50 million and you put a clause in that says we get 5% of whatever you sell him for? So if he does end up at Real Madrid for 120, you get another little payout at that point. Uh, yeah, that would be good. I don't know if United will be willing to do that. But I guess if you continue playing hardball and I'm not too sure what's discussed in the negotiations uh, if if that's put out there then maybe they would be willing to do that 5% is is a lot even 1% <laughs> well you're pushing now what's the point of having 1% that's another million 
Oh, potentially. Yeah, I mean, if we're in the Premier League, I doubt that would be that significant. But yeah, something like that would be nice. But the, the thing is that the news has gone a bit quiet on it, hasn't it? And it seems to be it's just reports, up and down. But I don't know. It's just I'm up and down. Sure. It seems like it's getting closer. And it's a bit of a stalemate, I think. A bit of a stalemate at the moment. The thing about it is United are going to sign a right back this window, right? Because Solskjaer has clearly looked at Diogo Dallo and gone, not for me, not yet anyway. Mm. Valencia is too old. So just because it's gone quiet on this deal, I think until you start hearing United linked with a right back other than Aaron Wambasaka, you can't relax. Yeah, I'm not. I still feel like it's going to happen, but if it does happen, it'll be nice that it happens before preseason starts in a way, so that Juan Pisaka, he when when he's at when he's with the players, his head is not turned, and um, he just if he is going to leave, he can be and he could be at his new club, and we could just start fresh. Hmm. That's is, what I hope for. Is Aaron Wambasaka off to United? Get in touch. 0208-7020-558 is the number to call or WhatsApp. I want to talk about another transfer rumour. One player who could be coming into the club, Mignolet. Yeah, I just... I mean... <laughs> Mignolet? <laughs> yeah. Firstly, before we get into anything to do with the man himself, the great man, <laughs> do you need a goalkeeper? No. Yeah, well, we were talking about this just before and... and, and you know, we've got two uh, good goalkeepers, um, Hennessy and Gaeta. Yeah. Do you really want to splash out that much money? Was it eight million? Yeah, eight on, million on a th- on a potentially you know second or third place keeper. Is there not somebody that is coming through the academy that we can kind of rely on just in case the two keepers get injured? Yeah, let's say if there isn't, um, you could still go for someone younger, abroad, someone who has potential and go and get them on a cheap deal rather than sign Minule, who's in his prime. Decent wages. Crossed, yeah, decent wages. There's no point. Mm. Right now, we're, it's not like we're in a brilliant position. Um, I wouldn't want us to go for Minule, whereas we could invest that money in other areas. Yeah, I'd like to redirect that money on positions in the team that we need to yeah. to really improve on. And I don't know the rules now, and I haven't looked them up, but, you know, there must be rules on emergency goalkeepers if, if you know, one or two. There, there, there's leeway made for there a is, loan deal. Yeah, so, so, you know, it's not the end of the world if we don't sign the third keeper or we use a, an academy player as a third keeper. That's what we've always... I feel like that's what we've generally done in the past. The only thing that makes sense is that let's say um these rumors are true it's the fact that maybe we're looking we're looking to sell one of Hennessy or Gaeta yeah. and I haven't I haven't heard of anything there's been no reports of it but I guess that's the only way which I'll be like okay fair enough eight million for mini lay it might be worth a shout but other than that if both Hennessy and Gaeta are saying there's no point on of investing that much money on a third potentially third choice goalkeeper if you sign him, he's coming in as first or second choice, isn't he? No. Isn't he? Not first choice. So why would you sign him? Exactly. <laughs> that's what that's my point. Unless one of the play unless Gaeta or Wayne Hennessy leaves, then why would we spend eight million on a first choice goalkeeper? But I don't think that's what the club hierarchy will think they're doing. Because it makes so little sense that I just don't think they'd do that. Yeah, that's that, that's why it'll be interesting to see what happens um, in terms of why it was with Gaeta and Wayne Hennessy. But it's a bit surprising. It's, I didn't expect Mignolet out of everyone to be linked with Palace because there's been no suggestion that... I genuinely forgot he existed. Yeah, genuinely. exactly. <laughs> Until he was linked with Palace. I just, oh, right, yeah, him. I mean, he could probably go do a decent job somewhere else abroad or maybe like one of the newly promoted sides in the Premier League. But I, yeah, I, I, I can only think that they, they don't rate one of our pl- our goalkeepers at the moment, and that can be Hennessy. Yeah, it makes sense. If they don't rate Gaeta and rate Hennessy, then yeah, that would be worrying. But yeah. Is there an argument after the off-field difficulty with Hennessy this season that they might just want to be getting shot of him? I've I've said it two seasons ago, I think. Two, it's, yeah, it's never going to work with Hennessy. Just try to sell him, but it's, it seems like it's not going to happen. He's just at the club. There's, just, there's been... Uh, a misconnect. There's no connection between Hennessy and the fans, and I feel like regardless regardless of how good Hennessy plays, he's he's no he's never going to be successful at Palace. I just don't see it happening. So I don't know why we still have him at the club, um, but I, I doubt he's going to be sold. Yeah, I, th- I think that Hennessy, over time, has 
been a little bit of a weak link in our defence. And I know there are some supporters out there that do strongly back him. Um, and I understand why, because he's a big keeper and for certain games he's, he's very good and he's got the height, etc. But overall, I'm not a big fan of Hennessy. Um, and quite clearly, you need to have two very good keepers in the Premier League. So if they are thinking of bringing in Mignolet, then perhaps, yep, they're looking to shift out Hennessy. I think it'll be good for Wayne as well, as much as for us. It's just, it's not going to work out at Palace. Even when he did play good, they were always, like, for that one or two months, there was always, there was still critics saying, oh, he's just playing like a normal goalkeeper. So it's just never going to work out. Just sell him, but we'll see what happens. Mm, the transfer rumour mill's gears won't stop grinding and one name which is now back into the mix is Wilf Zahar. It had all gone quiet but now Arsenal are prowling again. Don't go anywhere. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show, where James Howard of Back of the Nest Pod has just informed me that he managed to get a pint in London for £3.50. That's a bargain. That's coming cheap. One man who won't is Wilf Zaha. Arsenal are interested yet again. How much are you charging? How much am I charging? Um, seven, uh, 70 minimum. There's no reason to sell Wolf, but I don't feel like Arsenal can afford that. Well, it doesn't seem like it, anyways. Um, well, I'm very confused about Arsenal's transfer business because <laughs> we keep hearing they've got 40 million quid. Yeah. And they're now being linked with 15 players who cost 40 million quid. Someone's fibbing somewhere. Maybe the expectation is that they're going to shift some players off the wage bill and suddenly they will have room to manoeuvre. Yeah, I can only think that if they're going to pay 40 million it's got to be some part exchange as well but going back to Wilf you know he he was only going to go if he was going to get Champions League football wasn't he yeah that's what he said so uh you know does he really want to go to Arsenal he's a London club so he probably does want to stay in London because we've talked about his family and his father etc um personal reasons so yeah I could see him going to Arsenal at some point um but uh maybe not this season and I don't think Arsenal I don't think Palace will sell him for what Arsenal prepared to pay and also if we sell Wan-Bissaka are we willing to sell Zaha as well because that is a Massive time from the club. It would be a big rebuild, in my opinion, if you sold both wan and Zaha. Um, if I'm... you sell them both, do you go down? Well, well it d- depends how we invest that money and who we bring in. But, uh, yeah, if you don't if you don't bring in quality players, um, yeah, there's of course, there's a big chance. Yeah, there's a, it'll be a bit of a struggle. But, yeah, if you, if you start, you know, getting players like Batswai on board... Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, maybe a, one or two others, then I don't see any reason why we shouldn't uh, be able to rebuild and maintain our, our sort of mid-table, possibly bottom half position next season without Wilf. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most of the time, Wilf is the difference for us. I think pre- this season just gone, um, maybe not as influential as the one before, Um uh, I think there's other reasons why we haven't performed, not just because of Wilf, um, striker positions. You know, he's lying on Benteke maybe too much. Beginning of the season, we had injuries. Um, we were playing wingers like Townsend up front. We really shouldn't be playing up front. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, if we get a proper striker in like Batshuayi, 
I don't know, Tammy Abraham or someone like that, if we ever get players of that quality, I don't know. But uh, I think we there is life after Wilf and life after Aaron Wambazaka. Um But it might take a season to rebuild. Um, but would we go down, Johnny? I don't think we would if we did replace those players fairly quickly. But I also feel like if we do sell Wilf, um, let's say we sell Wambasaka next week and Arsenal want Wilf on the deadline day. Even if they offer the 70 million, I don't think we'll sell him because it's just too little time to get the players in. So I feel like if Arsenal are really serious about this, they'll come in and get him before the couple of weeks before the actual dead, uh, deadline is. But Arsenal traditionally mm. like a desperation deadline day signing. But They've it done make, it before. It makes no sense on Palace's half to sell him. It, regardless of how much they offer, I doubt Arsenal are going to offer over seventy million, anyways. They're not. Yeah. So, do you trust the board to do things that make sense? Yeah. In terms of transfer signings, of course, there's been some dodgy signings, but with the money that we could potentially bring in from selling them both, over a hundred million. Um, yeah, I do trust the board to bring in the players, the right players. There might, of course, be one or two players who you don't work out but that's just football but yeah overall yeah I do trust them yeah I think I trust the board with not selling players at the last minute and dropping us right in it um, because that would drop us in it yeah. if we didn't have replacements for Wilf and Aaron Wampsack well, Aaron Wampsack are maybe a bit different because I think the fullbacks a bit easier to replace and we've also got Ward who I still rate quite highly I know some people don't but I think you know I think he's still a very good player and he can do a good job um, but losing Wilf at the last minute and not being able to replace him, yeah, that would have a big effect on us. Um, so I trust the board in not allowing a player of his quality to go at the very last minute. Um, but you never know in this game. Yeah, what's odd with Wilf is he was dropped as well. Well, he wasn't dropped. He didn't start for Ivory, Ivory Coast, I think it was yesterday. It was the game yesterday. Yeah, so it's just it's confusing. wan Pesaka. He get he's dropped and now Wilf he's not starting for every curse. But I don't feel like that has anything to do with the Arsenal transfer rumours, but just weird. Crystal Palace aren't being linked with all that many players. Mm. Not being linked with certainly star players of the kind you would need to replace Zaha. Does that mean he's not going or does it mean you're not prepared? I feel like it means more of he's not going. I've they they must have had the conversation with Wilf. Um, when the season ended, so I feel like it's 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 a bit weird the fact that we're not really linked significantly with any player. We, it was Minulay. There's been tr- rumours about us being linked with players abroad, but yeah, I feel like the club had has had a discussion with Wilf, I guess, and um, they're, they're pretty sure that he's going to stay. If they'd had that dis- discussion and Wilf had said, "Yeah, I'm not going anywhere." Couldn't they or he release a statement saying I'm staying at Palace? But there's no point. It's just there's re- regardless. Even if he does release a statement, there will always be rumours. Wilfred said that he's happy. He's he, there was a documentary um, on YouTube where Wilf was in, and he, he said that he was happy. But it still doesn't change the fact that Arsenal are linked with him. So even if you do re- release statements, the rumours will still be there. So it doesn't really change a thing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've got a, a view on this that. Um, as a club and you know with Steve Parrish in charge he's not going to go after players at the moment because if you start signing players now then you're paying wages throughout the summer and why pay wages throughout the summer when you're not actually <laughs> yeah I don't know training. I actually don't know how it works I've heard that argument that's, that's, yeah that's a, that's a smart point I've so, never heard about it so I think that's one of the reasons that sometimes we sign players at the last minute is to save on <laughs> yeah. those thousands every week that kind of like well they'd be getting fit anyway when they're at pre-season with the other clubs so let's leave it to the last minute but uh um, I think that you know you got to realise that Wilf's in Africa. He's, he's in a he's in a tournament at the moment, so he's 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 not communicating with anyone. Probably uh, everyone else has been on holiday for six weeks. They'll all be back in training, I think, from the beginning of July. And I think that's when you're going to see a bit more evidence or concrete evidence of you know transfers happening or potential transfers happening and discussions about who's coming in, who's going. Yeah. If Wilf goes, obviously Palace fans would be gutted. Who are the players who, if the club signed them, you would forgive them for selling your star? I've never really thought that that deeply about it. Um, first of all, Batshuayi. I think he'll be he'll be smart signing what he done last season. Um, investing reinvesting that money in him would be good. And 
other than that, I'm not too sure because there's I haven't there hasn't been really anything that has come to me that to to say that Wilf is leaving for me to think about oh who we should bring in. I really haven't thought about it. I don't know about you, James, but yeah, no, I think it's not that easy to replace. Um, it, you're not going to replace him, to be honest with you. And I think it's not a, a question of, you know, who, forgiveness. I think it's a question of just accepting that he's got a price. And whether we value him at 80 million or 90 million, whatever somebody, you know, the va- the club value him at. I mean, I have my own valuation of him. And mm. I think that if he, if he was to go, then he has to go at that price. Otherwise, he shouldn't go. Um, so if he goes, he goes, you know, and uh, best of luck to him. I'd prefer him to stay. But if he goes, I've got no, I'm not going to start shouting at the owners of Palace and say, why did you let him go? Because they got a decent price for him. Yeah. And as you said, realistically, I don't see one particular player being a replacement for Wilf. It's just very hard. So would you go about it in terms of trying to strengthen the entire squad rather than bring in just one star? Yeah, I think that makes more sense. Um, and also, um, when you bring in that one star, let's say he does end up like Benteke, not in the first season, because when Benteke did come in, he did score that 17 goals that people forget about. But let's say the star has a good season and then drops off, then you get into a bit of a sticky situation where you might have spent lots of money on him and now you can't really send him on for anything. So I'd rather invest on a whole squad rather than one big player. Yeah, and I would rather invest on younger players as well than what we've sometimes done is we've gone to the wrong end of the 20s and paid top dollar on players that maybe, yeah, are proven. But Who springs to mind? Um, trying to think of a player that maybe is coming at that end of the age. Um, I don't... Yeah, I'm not too sure. We don't really spend that sort of money, do we? <laughs> yeah, lately we haven't. Anyways, we, we can't. So. Um, but I, I don't... I mean, I know we were talking about um, some defenders coming in, you know, uh, I think the other week we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, Max Aaron's. And um, Chelsea player, was it? The, who's in the... Um, doesn't get in the first team. What's his name? Takayo Tamori, Reese James, Christensen. I think you're talking about... English player. Hudson. Oh, Cahill? Yeah, Cahill. Okay, so, you know, you'd probably pay quite a lot of money for him. I'd rather not. I'd rather just, just um, buy sort of... If you got say if you got eighty million for Wilf, I'd rather s- sort of split that in three and say look let's let's pay a chunk of say I don't know twenty odd thousand for three different players that have got age on their side, and hopefully one of those players will yeah. will come really but, good. <laughs> but it will be difficult, if, especially if you're going to if you're going for class young players because they're probably going to be on decent wages where clubs don't want to get rid of them and plus the money as well that's a problem with younger players is that just like Juan Bissaka he's, we say he's 21 and he's still got so much potential that's why we could put 50 million on him whereas if Juan Bissaka was 28 years old then no one would pay 50 million so I think it'll be more expensive if we, if we do go for younger players Is that the approach you'd want though rather than going for 25 year olds 26 year olds who are ready? Yeah I've, that that should be the approach I'm I feel like um, the younger squads, uh, like such as players like Max Ahrens, um, at least you can build them and potentially make them go on to the next uh, next level. Whereas if you buy more experienced players, yes, experience doesn't matter. But I feel like in our squad right now, we do have decent enough of experience. And I always say this to myself, I feel like at times people overrate experience. I feel like, yes, it is needed, but you, not too much. I'd rather go for talent rather than experience. Yeah, and I quite like the idea of you know being able to find another Jamie Vardy you know yeah. from the lower leagues and the thing is you know it's 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 out there you know the but, point is that with that money you could spend it on 10 players and then you only need one Jamie Vardy to come along and you're, you're but laughing. then again can you imagine what the fans will say if you sell wealth and bring in 10 players it's like when we got promoted we brought in so many players and some like Campania, there was Moran. There's just so many players, and none of them got a chance. So it's about. I don't think. I don't think the fans will be happy if we done that. If we sold Wilf and brought in ten, maybe if we brought in two, three quality young players that have got potential, then yeah. But not. I wouldn't go and spend all the money on just basically a new squad. 
so maybe spend to spend the money on two players and then just the rest of it then just speculate on some yeah. lower leagues. Don't invest, teams. reinvest it all in one if you don't need yeah. to. I don't feel like we need 10 new players, probably like two or three, depending mm. on the position. The, the thing about that speculation, though, and I like that idea, but even if you get them cheap, it's not just the financial expense, because if you put them in the team, there's risks there as well. So are we talking about signing them and just having a look? Well, that's the them? problem, because you've, you've got only you've got an only a certain amount of players you can have in the squad. So they are not necessarily going to have a chance to perform and and show what they can do and yeah, get match fitness and and uh, yeah. So it's difficult. Um, I think that um, there's a balance here where you 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 can't get too many like you say, Dr. Um, but you know maybe two or three and then a couple of decent signings. Um, just spread it around. Just don't spend all that money on one or two big players that maybe might not fit in with the system that Roy's always playing. Mm. If these guys do go, you've got to be careful how you spend that money. You spent well in the past, and coming up, it's time for Legend of the Week. This is Love Sport. You're listening to Love Sport Radio. It's the Crystal Palace Fan Show, and it's time for our Legend of the Week. Guys, who have you gone for this week? So this week we've gone for Sir Steve Koppel. Sir. Yeah, yeah, inverted commas. But yeah, Steve Koppel, uh, manager of Palace at the age of 28, been manager on and off for four times now. Um, fantastic, fantastic club servant. Uh, got us to the 1990 FA Cup final for the first time ever. What an experience that was. We went to a replay um we were nearly about, about 10 minutes away from winning that and if we had we'd have been in Europe for the first time um, and in fact Man United who beat us ended up winning the Cup Winners Cup that's next season and then the following year we did arguably what Leicester did we, we didn't win the league but we came pretty much close to winning it we came in third place and what a season that was that was brilliant and he's, he's brought through some really good players this is like a educational lesson for me because when Steve Koppel <laughs> was manager I, was, I don't think I was in this world like literally well it's interesting when someone becomes a club legend for their performance as a manager because Koppel of course was really well known as a player for United and England as well James did you admire him as a footballer oh absolutely I mean I was a young lad and uh, you know I remember seeing him it would have been on TV obviously but uh, I remember seeing him on TV playing for England a fantastic winger uh, very quick, very skillful, um, but you know everyone in football holds him in high high esteem. Um, and um, yeah, I've never heard a bad word said about him. To be honest, who who would you compare him to in terms of managerial style nowadays? Is he? Would you say he's more? He's like he's a bit like Roy, or would you say he's a bit like Pardew? He's, he's bra- braver than Roy, isn't he? I mean, that Reading team that he brought up were, were quite gung ho, all things considered. Yeah, I'd say it's a bit similar to, to Bournemouth, yeah, um, Eddie Howe. Um, I think tactically, Steve was brilliant. I mean, I remember watching games and, you know, it didn't really, not a lot happened until half-time and you think, oh, there's a weakness here and it's not quite working. But after a while, you knew that Steve Koppel would, would change things at half-time and we would come out a far better team. He was a brilliant tactician. And, um, yeah, uh, we got a lot of criticism at the time because... We were not as bad, I wouldn't say as bad, but as um, Route 1 as Wimbledon at the time. They were the real sort of Route 1 boys and, and uh, we, we were sort of put in a similar bracket to them. But uh, we did have a lot more skill, uh, you know, with Wright and Bright, Salako, uh, and Jeff Thomas, Andy Gray. You know, at one time, I mean, we had, I think I counted up to five England internationals at one time. If you include Nigel Martin, that was in goal. We had Andy Gray, Jeff Thomas. Andy Gray only had one inter- un- international appearance, and then you had Ian Wright. Um, so yeah, we definitely had at least four four internationals at at one time. Um, possibly one more, actually. I can't think. Let's go back to the beginning of this story because Koppel took over as boss, unbelievably young. How yeah. did that come about? 
Yeah, we had an injury, so uh, he couldn't play football anymore. Um, and Palace were struggling. This is, you know, mid, mid-80s. Uh, we were struggling, um, probably languishing at the bottom end of the second tier of football. Uh, we were, you know, supposedly the team of the 80s. It didn't go quite well, well and we lost a lot of players. And um, he came in and he had a real tough tough job on his hands because he had the old guard of Jim Cannon and co and uh, then he brought in some new players younger players like Ian Wright and I think that sort of upset the apple cart but uh, he was very shrewd and he managed to deal with it very well and I, I read the autobiography on Steve Coppel it's a really good book to read and um, you know and it, it explained the situation that he had and, and at that age you know only 28 when you think about it yeah that's, that's crazy. tough yeah so he had to not only, you know, get new players in on the cheap because we didn't have any money, but he also had to gel them with the old guard who weren't really happy with all these sort of youngsters coming in and, and sort of upstaging them. Uh, and then suddenly he got things clicking and uh, it was really good. And also you need a lot of respect, don't you, as a 28-year-old being a manager, I guess. So that was another... Probably another big challenge. Probably well. made slightly easier if you've got forty-two England caps, <laughs> but you are you, uh, yeah, no, you are spot on. 20, yeah, it's just I'm trying to think. Wilf is twenty-six. Just imagine, yeah. imagine yeah. Wilf, yeah, Wilf as in a two manager. years' time as yeah. a Palace manager. <laughs> that would be quite something. We're joined <laughs> yeah. on the line by back of the nest, very own Nick Gillard, who's called into the show on o two o eight seventy twenty five five eight. Nick, how do you remember Coppel? Um, very, very fondly. Yeah. Hello, you lot. Hope you're doing all right. Um, yeah, we were getting crowds of 5,000 when he first came in. And he, it was the way he built it up, but he was just so erudite. He was obviously intelligent, you know, and there are intelligent footballers about now. There always have been, but he stood out, and he was one of the only footballers I know that, that had a degree. Um, and to put a trust in somebody that young, one knows, you know, Fair play to him for that. I was just thinking if I could think of somebody modern day, and it's really Frank Lampard chucking himself in at Derby. Um, but it was the way he, he built the team and the style. He knew we liked wingers. Um, the season we finished third, I mean, the speed we had, we hit other teams on the counter. We had Zalago, we had McGoldrick. I mean, these these players went on to 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 um, great things, and so many of his team became managers as well. Um, likes of Southgate, Pardew. Um, so it it seemed to rub off on the rest of the players, and of course um, the semi final against Liverpool. That's one of the greatest Palace moments ever. Here's one for you all. Of course, people of my generation know Coppel best for the Reading team he brought up to the Premier League in 2003, kept them there until 2009. He then had a spell at Bristol City, a spell at Portsmouth as director of football, but that was the last time he was in English football. That was back in 2014. Where's he gone from a Premier League point of view? He's been in America a lot. Our, um, our American New York correspondent often sees him in the uh, football factory, which is a big bar. So he's working there. hard then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's enjoying retirement. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I know he was involved with... Did you say mention Crawley? He was involved there for a bit. Yeah. He had a notoriously short reign at Man City. I think, can't remember, I think they were on their way down, weren't they, at that point? But he couldn't handle the pressure, so lasted, was it 30 days? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was all sort of a bit too much for him, a bit overwhelming, wasn't it, at that time? Yeah. Um, he did admit to that. I've just actually looked up before I knew we were talking about him, and he's actually been in India for the last couple of seasons, um, managing some couple of Indian clubs in their Super League, which was interesting. Yeah. I didn't know about that until tonight. Well, so he is still in work. He hasn't actually retired, which is, uh, which is funny enough. But uh, I've got a... F- yeah, sorry, Nick, go on. No, go on, carry on. I was going to say, I've got a funny story that I mentioned, I'd, I'd say. Well, he used to have a really nice car, and uh, it was a red Vauxhall Caliber, and it was like a Vauxhall Calvia, but it had all the spoilers and everything, and it wasn't tacky, it looked really nice. And um, it was a limited edition, and it was only, we've subsequently found out it was only like 100 made or something like that. And by coincidence, my brother at the time had the same car, same colour, 
And um, I don't know if you remember, the training ground was in Tooting. Uh, yeah. And um, the physio at the time, David West, uh, he, he used to do private consultations for um, anyone apart from football players. And uh, my brother and I went down there one afternoon to Tooting, to the training ground, driving in my brother's car. And um, there was uh, it was really nice because you got to see the players. You sort of sit on a, a bench getting your treatment with a, a football player next year. It was, it was like that. It was brilliant. But anyway, <laughs> building up, that wasn't the point I was going to say, but we were actually driving into this training ground and there was a, there was a match going on. It was just an inter-club match practice match or whatever and Steve Coppel was actually playing and although he was injured he would still play which is really nice but he obviously had to sort of you know be careful but he was playing and he just stared at us driving because of course we realized that we had the same car and I th- honestly think he thought someone had stolen his car <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> moving it for yeah, him. just exactly. borrowing it <laughs> but uh, it was quite funny it was it's just a, a memory that we've got to this day and uh, I think I actually caught up with him once and, and told him the story and said oh by the way that was our car but uh, yeah lovely guy and um, I've got so many fond memories of him so where do, where does he rank in terms of your all-time Crystal Palace legends for me, number one as manager, because he took a rubbish team and, you know, took us to third in the league. Um, it's just a shame the team broke up so quickly. Um, yeah, he, he, he brought a lot of support into Crystal Palace. I, is it fair comparing managers with players? Um, but we couldn't do it, because we ummed an hard, and I, but you couldn't do Palace Legends without mentioning Steve Coppell. Um, so yeah definitely top five and do you think we'll see him back in the Premier League or has he has that ship sailed yeah like George Graham he's never coming back either is he um... (laughs) he's a bit younger than George Graham yeah a little bit (laughs) a little bit what what about (laughs) he had four spells didn't he um, apparently at Palace yeah. that's what so that's a bit unusual you never see one manager have four spells at one club well he was there when Simon Jordan came in wasn't okay. he? Um, yeah. And they just didn't see eye to eye. And uh, I heard Simon Jordan on a podcast um, talking about it, and he was just saying that they just they just weren't matched. And it was really, really hard for him to let him go because he knew how much he was held in high esteem by the fans. I mean, Simon Jordan was a fan. He didn't want to let him go, but he felt it was the only thing he could do to take the club forward. Um so I think that was it then, because ever since he's gone, it, it's, everybody's said, oh, yeah, let's bring Steve back. Whenever we've been in times of trouble. Um, sounds like a song, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> the, um, he'd be the one to do it. But, yeah, I, I think he's too old for it now. Same as Alan Kirbishley. Everybody who's been waiting for Alan Kirbishley to return to football, but he never quite did, did he? No, it's very, very true. That would be an odd version of a Beatles lyric, wouldn't it? When I find myself in times of trouble, Steve Coppel comes to me. Uh, Nick, thank you ever so much for your call. He's a wonderful player, and that is why he's this week's Legend of the Week. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio, where we've had the news that Besiktas have apparently sanctioned the signing of Yaro Riedewald, where did it all go wrong for him? Um, I, I really don't know. I, I don't think his, his performance is on the pitch. It seems like whatever's happened is off the pitch. Um, he, Whenever he has played, he has looked decent. It's not like he's looked out of place. So it's just it's just so odd. Um, he's got talent there, but he doesn't get game time. So I guess it's something that maybe the manager sees in training that he doesn't like of him. Maybe his attitude. I'm not too sure, but... He's. I'm. I'm surprised that he's still at the club. To be fair, um, the fact that he's January he didn't leave. Last summer he didn't leave. So it's a bit odd. But let's see. Another year, another read the world rumor. Let's see if he manages to escape or is he still at the club. Yeah, I mean the thing is that he he might not fit the system. Uh, he might not be able to go elsewhere because we paid a lot of money for him and he's on high wages. So we have to keep him and. You know, quite clearly, he's an international and he's a he's a good young player. So if there's somebody out there and it fits, and we're prepared to let him go for whatever amount of money it's going to cost, um, or we're going to get for him, then then perhaps it's time for him to move on. I mean, when I've seen him play, he hasn't 
he hasn't really I don't know whether it's fair to say that he he hasn't performed because he hasn't really been given that much of an opportunity but I've always felt that he didn't look particularly sharp or fit and maybe a touch on the overweight side yeah but I feel like yeah I know what we're talking about but that's the apparently that's the uh, kit that's the shirt he wears like right. it's just it's not player fit or something like that and that's why right. there was just when he came out in the first preseason game last uh, mm. last preseason everyone was looking at him like wait is he Jairo Rido the footballer or what's going on because he did look so big <laughs> but apparently he doesn't wear the players um, kit so I don't know the interesting the interesting thing about all of this is that Jairo Riederwald was the Mattis Delict of his generation he was this highly rated young Dutch centre half and various people were a bit surprised when Palace got him are you surprised it didn't work out yeah I am It's just, as I said it's not when I've seen him play, he hasn't looked out of place. And sometimes it takes a season or two for a player to get used to the Premier League and the style. As we saw with Max Meyer, he's had he had some good games, but he didn't always consistently start um, last season. So it's it's a bit weird, even when some players haven't performed. Whereas when we talked about James McArthur and Jeffrey Slup, they've played, but it seems like Riederwald has never really got the. Um, the the chance and the chance that he did get, which was I think it was in a League Cup. I remember at Swansea, uh, I think there was another League Cup game, but it was just very minimal. So it's it's so weird that he's got talent um, from what I've seen, um, but he just for some reason just doesn't get the opportunities to show well, himself. Yeah, well, we're not really playing that sort of Dutch style of football, are we? Maybe that's what he expected to come because didn't he come on the back of... Yeah, Frank de Boer, yeah. Frank de Boer signing. Yeah. So, you know, at that time, we were planning to play expansive... I don't know. I mean, that's what Frank de Boer thought, but Paris thought the other. <laughs> yeah, after four games, yeah, that, that was definitely... It was, supposed to yeah. take, take a, it was supposed to be an integrated system and it seemed to happen overnight and that's what got us into trouble. But... Uh, yeah, so he clearly he is a good player. Um, I'm not disputing that, but uh, you know, we after Frank de Boer went, then we weren't going to be playing that type of football that maybe he was used to or expecting us to play. Oh. And he's just been struggling. I wonder how much he's worth there. No, I, don't, I can't remember eight what mil. did we buy eight mil. Yeah, that's what we paid for him, wasn't it? I guess so. Yeah, um, but Besiktas would they be willing to pay eight mil? Well, Can't these days. Be, yeah. You'd think if you pay eight mil for him, what was it, two years ago, three years ago, then it'd be going up in price anyway if he'd have been playing regular football. For mm. you, is he just the symbol of that De Boer tenure? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it's just, just unfortunate. It's just an unfortunate time. Everyone's held their hands up and said, look, it was a mistake um, and we move on. And uh, he's part of it, yeah. Yeah, there was... Oh, actually, that, it just came up to my head. He was linked with Swansea, going to Swansea, but, mm. but, but apparently he didn't want to go there. That's why it was at Palace. So hopefully he likes Besiktas and Turkey, I guess. That's our next opportunity. That's the next opportunity. What was it like to be a Palace fan in that rather short time that De Boer was in charge? Yeah, it was a bit strange. It was... You kind of willing it to work, but you thought, oh, this is a bit risky and we're going to make a mistake and you just felt like... Was you're it not on, exciting? You're on, the exci- edge of, you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. I was so excited. I was like, this is the next step. You know, we've been... We've had the Tony Pudis's and mm. them. I feel like Frank Boer, this, this was the next step, different type of football. I was actually excited. Then first game comes along and we're losing 3-0 to Huddersfield. I was like, okay. And then, <laughs> and then yeah, from, down, from then on, it just went downhill but I was surprised uh how many games um you know he he managed it was only what was it four four league games four, yeah five. I think that it started to improve but it was too late by then I think we had a really good game at Burnley away and I think that was nil nil uh or was no, it no, one that's, nil? yeah when Lee Chung Young passed it yeah, back and then nil. Burnley scored yeah we lost one that nil, one sorry nil. yeah one nil but to, quite clearly we were we were um well ahead of Burnley and playing really well and uh, that was probably the, f- the first game where you thought actually you know maybe this system will work but but I think the club had already made a decision to let him go yeah I feel like off the pitch stuff with Frank de Boer seems like um is a reason why he got sacked in the first place rather than on the pitch. I don't really? feel like, yeah. What was going because, on off the pitch? Yeah, that's that's the with disagreement with players such as Luka Milivojevic, who was playing centre back. Um, it's just I feel like what happened off the pitch 
it just cost him his job rather than on the pitch. Four games, be of course he's not going to get you know brilliant brilliant results in four games. It's very hard in the Premier League. You have to give him time. But the rumours what happened off the pitch, it makes sense why he did get sacked after four games. And we we you know we slate um, Parish for some of his decisions, but it turned out to be the right one because at the end of the day we started, we managed to stay in the Premier League. And mm. Roy Hodgson, even though we criticise him, we're still we're still in a good position right now. Has this put you off making risky managerial signings, bringing in managers from abroad? It's 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 a it's a hard one. It just depends on who it is. Um, but I guess it might have put the board off in a way that I don't feel like the club are in a position right now where we could do the risky signings. Um, but I'm not too sure. What about I, you? Yeah, I don't think I don't think he had really much of a track record as a manager. Yeah, he went. He was in Italy, wasn't he? And I think he had issues there with players. So I think they could have done their due diligence a bit better. Um, I thought, well, actually, I think in the future, if we are going to go for a manager from abroad, uh, then we need to go for someone that's actually, you know, done, achieved something. Um, well, yeah, well, Ajax... He rather was than hard, achieve yeah. something as a player. Yeah, Ajax, he was, he was an OK manager. He was better than OK. He was very good. Yeah. Yeah, but Ajax, I mean, that's in the Dutch but that's, league. Yeah, that's Ajax is streets it's, ahead of all the other clubs. It's, it's, a, it's a hard one. You just have to take the risk. It's like you can't guarantee a manager. Unless Mourinho comes in... Uh, yeah. like, is it going to be brilliant at Palace? Who knows? He was a, he was okay. It was a brilliant at other clubs, but you saw what happened at United, and it might be the same at Palace. It is a tough one. You're expecting another year of Roy. Once he's gone, would you most like to get in a manager from the Premier League? Uh yeah. I'll just keep it short. Rafa Benitez would have been nice, but it's <laughs> could that t- happen now? No, I don't think it will happen now. Uh, if he left next season, yeah. Uh, then yeah, there's that potential. I could see Roy retiring and then coming in, but right now, it's, I don't see it happening. He'll he'll get snapped up by another club. I mean, I'd I'd like Eddie Howe, but he'd probably go to yeah Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rafa Benitez to Crystal Palace. You heard it here first. I can already see the back page of tomorrow's Daily Mirror. You'll have to join us next week on the Crystal Palace Fan Show. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.